Hi, Sangram here. Caitlin here. <laughs> All right, we're back uh, on the Flip My Funnel podcast. So yesterday, if you had listened, if you have not, you need to go back and look at. We are celebrating hundred episodes of Flip My Funnel this week. So we are repeating a podcast that we felt was incredible. People downloaded it. It had great content. So we want to replay it. And today is David Cancels. As a matter of fact, this episode was one of the very first episodes yeah. that we recorded with David Cancels. So we're a little bit raw. We were, we were trying to figure out the audio <laughs> and everything. So you can see here all of that. But David Cancel, he has run five different companies and taken them from zero to amazing places. He talks about what success in business really means and what are the steps he follows in order to be successful. So this is with David Cancel and we have something really special again just for this week. Yeah, so for just this week alone until end of day on Friday, we are doing the best special we've done for this conference, which is 100 tickets are $100 off. Whether they're VIP experience or regular experience tickets, you're not going to have a regular experience no matter <laughs> what regular ticket means. But right now, prices for general admission tickets are $400, $500 for VIP, but all of those will be $100 off for 100 tickets. Promo code is 100podcast. Check it out. Links in the description and, and all that. Boom. Let's do it. You're listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast, a daily podcast dedicated to helping B2B marketing, sales, and customer success professionals become masters of their craft. Whether you're just getting started in your career or you're looking for advanced strategies and tactics, this podcast is for you. Here's your host, Sangram Vajray. David, man, so excited to have you. We have been talking about this topic of like what uh, what, what makes some companies great, right? What happens in some companies that that they make it and some don't? So I couldn't think of any better person than you. So thank you so much to being on the show and getting this series started. Awesome. I'm excited. Am I your first? You are the first person, man. This is the first of all. So we're going to have you, Jason Lumpkin, Scott Dorsey, and, and one surprise one that I'm still working on. So I feel like you guys are going to kick this series off and flip my phone. It's so awesome. I'm excited. Oh, that's awesome. Um, hold on. I'm going to update my LinkedIn bio. <laughs> First on Sangram show right here. I can't wait. You know, this is a great topic, man. I'm excited. It's amazing. Like, I feel like I've gotten, uh, I've had so many questions that I've uh, been asked, but never this one. And this is like the most, the best question I've heard. Right. right. So like, what do you think? What do you, I think makes this happen? I, I wish I knew. I wish I had some formula because then I would just be, I don't know, on on uh, Elon Musk's uh, <laughs> space shuttle to the Mar to Mars right now, but you know I think you know the patterns of like this my drift is my fifth company now like the patterns that I keep coming back to like here that I think has been really helping me is like is going to sound a little boring it's like really focusing on the basics right and I think we live in a, today especially today right we're so distracted so many options there's so many you know, Jason has a million quarter posts and like Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and Snapchat and Instagram and this and that. And like, we have the opposite problem that we had 10 years ago. Like we have too much information, like about everything, about series A's, uh, you know, C, this <laughs> micro, like there's so much information. Like you can learn anything now. And me as an obsessive learner, uh, you know, I'm like a pig in something right now, you know, cause I can learn anything I want you know, from the comfort of my own house. And so that's awesome. At the same time, like what we're missing is the focus to be able to, 
zero in on the things that actually matter when we have so many options to, in any arena of our life? Like, how do we make decisions? And I find myself now going back to kind of, I always call it like grandma's wisdom, like just basic stuff, like what has really worked for me at all of my companies that has really made the difference is spending that extra time on people, right? On the hiring process, on the progression. Once you hire, like how do you onboard people? How do you progress them? How do you motivate them? How do you keep them always feeling like they're never stalling out in terms of learning and progression? How do you, you know, how do you not focus on your ego in terms of your collective ego as a company? How do you focus on really solving a customer problem? How do you not get uh, mixed up in kind of marketing or positioning jargon and like how you explain your product or how do you build your product, but how do you actually solve a real problem, communicate in the way that anyone that you could run into would understand the problem that you solve? Like all these kind of basic things are like what I actually spent all of my time with my team here kind of refocusing us every day. And even though we've started with this kind of premise in mind, it takes daily pruning. I right. kind of think about it. It's like if you were a gardener, like the hard part about gardening is not planting the seeds. The hard part about gardening is the constant care and attention and pruning that you have to do every day to get the uh, to yield the effect that you want. And that's where we spend all of our time. That's beautiful, man. I'm I'm curious though now that you mentioned that. Like clearly, all the five companies, each one of them are in different times different challenges in, in, in yes. and actually totally different in, in many ways, different businesses altogether. And now that I see what you're doing with Drift, like it feels like you're building a completely new kind of business, something that I don't know if you did that in the five companies. Is that true? And if so, no, that's how, true. so how, how, wh why different and why looking at it and how are you looking at Drift and, and the company that you're building now? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I mentioned the word before progression, and that I think is the most important word uh, when it comes to answering this question. I, you know, the one thing that I wish people would have taught me, I wish someone would have taught me this in school or in my life is how important it is to, uh, continue to change your reality and define and create your reality. And what I mean by that is that now I believe that we can all shape our own realities and the reality that we create. We can do that by surrounding ourselves with the right people, learning from the right people, and constantly challenging ourselves, which is uncomfortable, to reach that next level, to reach that next group of people who are going to teach us and who are going to open our minds to, to the basic understanding that we can do anything. Like no one is a magician. I love the Steve Jobs quote of like everything that you see around you were built was built by people no smarter than you. And even though we've heard all those truisms and we've heard those quotes over and over, I felt like no one really, or at least I didn't experience a time in my life where I really internalized and learned that. And so to answer your question, like where I am with Drift and what I'm trying to do with Drift is a totally different scale than any of my companies ever before. And the reason that is, is not because I just woke up and thought like maybe try a different scale. It's because I've seen this progression and I've been at, I've created companies that were like zero to 50 people, zero to a hundred people, zero to 200 people. I went, you know, with HubSpot and did 200 to 1200 people. And like, so I've now seen all those scales and along that I've learned lessons, but more importantly, I've learned that, Hey, wait, we can do this too. We can go, we can go zero to 1200. We can go zero to 2000. We can go zero to 10,000. Like it's possible. And now, I, you know, it took me this long to like go through that and learn that it is possible that 
that we can do this. And that is the one thing that I wish I would have learned earlier. And I hope that all of your listeners learn, like, it is really as possible, as corny as that sounds, you can create your own reality. It won't be easy. It's a simple idea, but it's not an easy thing to do. And it involves constantly challenging yourselves and constantly putting yourselves around other people who have already achieved that goal. So why? So that you can look at them and say, oh, I can do it too. If this person did it, I can do it. I love that. I think you, you what you really, I think something that I have heard uh, Brian Brown, her, who is the, our chief product officer at, at Terminus, he said this um, when he kind of started with Terminus very early on, he said, look, you guys have done the impossible. Now mm-hmm. let's go do the most difficult thing, which is scaling the business. And it, it was totally. a, you know, it was a you know, moment for us to kind of think about, yeah, you know, there's so many companies who start and, and never see, um, you know, never grow or never see a million dollars in revenue, don't really get to a point where they can redefine a certain things. And, and the fact that we have that opportunity, sometimes you get caught up into it, like, wait a minute, we got, you know, all these problems, but you need to kind of take a step back and look at it and say, you know what? We have defied the odds. We are yes. doing something that's amazing and, you know, something that we never thought we would do. And we just, we just need to kind of continue to believe in ourselves and continue to do it. Which is such a hard thing, right? Like, it sounds so simple, like, to just say, oh, yeah, we just need to believe in ourselves. That's obvious. We know that's Sangram. But it's not. It's not obvious at all, right? When you actually, like, live through it, it is so painfully difficult to do that. I love that. Now, help me and help our listeners understand, like, what are the things that you would never do or you have seen that, man, that is Mm. something that you shouldn't do when you're building a business? And and, and you have done it five times over. And so (laughs) I want to know your challenges, your failures, your things that you yourself have learned through painful ways that you've gone through it, or you've seen it because you've seen so much of all of these of raising money, not raising money, hiring people, like things that you would say, you know what, these are a few things or one thing that people should not do whatsoever. I think the easiest way to sum that up for me is like, is if it doesn't feel right, it isn't right, right? And for whatever reason, this universe has given us uh, this internal compass that we all have, uh, but we're not good at listening to, that you get yourselves in a situation, usually with uh, hiring people, maybe bringing on investors, making decisions in terms of which way you're going with the product, right? It's, It's beyond having fear, and fear is natural. It's like something about this situation doesn't feel right. Like I'm trying to hire this person and something doesn't sit right with me, or I'm trying to take investment from this person and something is like my spidey senses are going off, but I'm ignoring them because I'm going to rationalize myself into this decision because I'm going to say, Hey, Sanger, I need money. So let's just forget what my, my spidey sense is saying here. Let's just take it. Or I need to hire someone. So I'm just, let's just make this hire. Forget about what my spidey sense has said to me. And over and over being an overly rational person, like many of your listeners probably are, I've leaned into that rational way of thinking, which is good and it serves us well. But every time I had that spidey sense feeling like it always bit me in the end, I ended up hiring people that I knew for whatever reason, like it wasn't going to work, but I, you know, push past that or, you know, take investment from someone that I wasn't going to get along with or made a certain product decision all the time, but it was always there. It's kind of like, I feel like, you know, in some ways we always like live, live a movie or a storybook, like, right. The answer was always there. Like I always knew, I always felt it, but I I spent forever trying to uh, ignore that or be smarter than that intuition that has been given to us. I love that, man. I love that. Like when it doesn't feel right to you, 
uh, do the right thing. And and nine out of yeah. ten times, like it, it's you all nine or almost ten out of ten times, you already know in your subconscious that this doesn't feel right. There's this voice in you, but you still, we all yeah. still do it, right? I mean, I think we all have. I've done it. I knew in my gut that this wasn't the best thing to, or the right thing to do, maybe the best thing. And that's maybe where a lot of people, I think, trip is because they feel like, yeah, this is the best thing to do right now, but it's not the right yes. thing to do for the long haul. I wonder if that's kind of the distinction there. Yeah. And I think I I feel like I'm always repeating what you said to myself and to people around me, which I, is like, you always knew the right answer. Like you always knew. Right. And so, um, so that's, that's the thing that I would say every time I've made that's been the biggest pattern in terms of making unsuccessful decisions are when I went against uh, what I felt was wrong because I felt like I was I was in a situation where I needed to make that decision or I thought I was smarter than than Mother Nature. <laughs> That's awesome. Now, I know you are a huge like reader and and you read a ton of books mm-hmm. and and something that I've I've heard you talk about this on on Seeking Wisdom podcast which if people are not listening to it people should. It's an amazing podcast that DG and and DC put together. It's it's great people come on it. Now, one of the things I've heard you guys talk about is that you don't necessarily care about reading the entire book. You look no. for something very interesting. Share that with us. Yeah. So again, this is probably the second thing that I wish they would have taught me (laughs) in school, you know, or growing up, which is that we're all taught this way. And I think I won't get into education because I think, you know, we both have kids and I can go on about the (laughs) education system forever. But I think we're, we're coming out of a time that no longer exists, right? Like where we were taught this, this kind of notion of memorizing and repeating and, and reading in a certain way, which was mostly for memorization and mostly reading things that maybe we were not interested in for whatever reason. And so what I used to do, which I feel like most people do, is like I had this guilt where if I was reading a book, I felt like I had to force myself to read the entire book. Why? It's not rational, right? Saying that out loud, it makes no sense. Why do I have to force myself to read a book? The author doesn't care. The author already made money from the book. They're glad you bought the book. Uh, so you're not harming anyone and not finishing that book, but we all have that guilt. And so what I taught myself, untaught myself to do was to not have that guilt, to approach reading in a totally different way, which is I'm reading one for enjoyment and two to learn something. And so if I learn anything from a book, then even if I do that within the first chapter, maybe that's good enough. Maybe I can revisit that book later. Or maybe if there's a book that I'm reading that I am just struggling to read, why don't I just close the book and move on to another book? Why don't I then revisit that book? And maybe after the second time I still can't read it, why don't I pick up that great book and donate it to the library because I'm not able to read it for whatever reason? And that's okay. And move on to another book, right? We need to prioritize our time. And once I started to do that, it liberated me. And all of a sudden, the amount of books that I read exploded. And I actually read most books through completion, you know, but there are books that I just don't work for me and just I just get rid of them. And uh, once I put aside that guilt, wow, the amount of things that I learned from reading and my love for reading just skyrocketed. That's awesome, man. I love the fact that, you know, you don't need to wait until the very end. You can get one thing and it can happen in the first chapter or it can happen right in the middle of something that you're reading or just when you picked it up and you get that one thing that's worth every dollar, that's worth uh, maybe more than the dollar you spent on the book. 
Yeah. And by the way, you probably only spent, you know, $10 or less for that book. Like there's, uh, if you've got one idea out of it, it's probably worth more than $10. So then you're okay. You move on to the next one. I love that, Matt. All right. So back to like, you know, in the whole question around like why some companies make it. And I, I wonder if the question really is why some people make it and others don't in, in this entrepreneur kind of journey. And, and I don't think it's really just entrepreneurship. I feel like no. it's, it's a leadership question, right? Like, and it's, mm-hmm. it's more of a, how you go about it. So I wonder if it's like, if you shift the question and it's not about the organizations, but like, why do some leaders kind of persevere and do these things that make them great leaders and some are still challenged to it? And, and how do you think about that? Yeah. So, you know, I wish I would have coined this uh, term in the past. I wish I would have written this book. And that's uh, the book by Carol Dweck called Growth Mindset, because I never had words to to kind of give this idea. And she gives this, you know, she talks about this idea about fixed mindsets and growth mindsets. And I think I think that is the difference that I've seen between people that make it and don't make it. And I think you can see examples of that just in your normal life. So like the people look around and see, look at your family, look at the people that you grew up with, the people that you went to school with, the people that surround you. And once you really start to observe, which is easier for entrepreneurs, uh, I should say introverts like myself, because I'm introverted, so I'm always observing people, you can see where in their life they kind of stop learning, right? Because you, you can almost see like people are frozen at some point in their life. And then for the rest of their life, most of them, they continue to be that same version of themselves, right? So think about versions of themselves. And then there are other people people that the version never stops, right? The version just keeps progressing, right? And so the, for those leaders that I've seen kind of uh, really do well, they kept progressing, they kept growing, they kept morphing, they kept advancing uh, at, because they naturally had that growth mindset versus that fixed mindset. And for some of them, for a lot of them that I've talked to, they didn't know why they were doing it. It was kind of innate. So it was almost a thing that they couldn't teach other people because it was just part of them. And then there's this whole other group of people that I've met, entrepreneurs, who it's very deliberate what they're doing. They know what they're doing. They know that they're constantly struggling to push themselves to continue to grow. And they're doing that for a reason. And they're putting in the work to do that. But for a lot of people, they have this natural tendency to be this way. And it's hard for them to describe. And I think Carol Dweck did an amazing job describing that in that book. I think that's the key thing that has separated the ones that have succeeded from the ones that haven't. And when I say succeeded, I mean succeeded repeatedly because I had, there are lots of examples of people that we know that have succeeded, but they've succeeded once. And so it's hard to draw a conclusion from a sample of one, right? right? But you look at people who have repeatedly succeeded in different contexts, I start to see this pattern. I love this, man. So I I made some notes just for everybody to kind of, you know, listening to it because there were so many, so many great points, but the three that caught my attention were number one, be an eternal learner. Just keep learning, yes. keep learning, because that's the only way to kind of have, to grow and advance and, and never stop learning. Never say, I got it, or I know what yep. it is. And mm-hmm. I remember you also mentioning one, uh, one time, even at the Hypergood Conference, is like saying, I don't know, which is a yes. very powerful way to, to say, like, I want to learn. I want to understand, and I, I seek to understand. So number one, keep learning. Don't stop that. Number two, do the right thing. When in doubt, do the right thing. I think there should be a t-shirt that says, when in doubt, do the right thing. Let's, I love that. Uh, I'll, let's, uh, I would buy one. <laughs> let's see when I create that. And, right. and the third one, which is amazing, like, you know, having a growth mindset 
over a fixed mindset. If you have a growth mindset, you are going to constantly look at things or trying to figure out a solution or an answer or trying to always learn and figure things out as opposed to a fixed mindset. I think what really what you mean by that, that what I took away was, man, like if you have a fixed mindset, you're going to say, well, this is how it is, or this is how yes, I've seen it work. Exactly. And a growth mindset is like, well, let's challenge the status quo on this thing. And, and maybe there's a better way or a different way to do it this time. Just because it worked last time doesn't mean it has to work the same way. So that's, that's just amazing. Exactly. And, uh, and knowing you, you're, you perfectly embody all of those, especially that last one of constantly challenging the status quo. So excited to have been here with you, man. This I love it. I love it. David, thank you so much. People, how can people follow you, get to know you more? Uh, I'm decanceled. So D-C-A-N-C-E-L on Twitter, LinkedIn, every, everywhere in the world, you can find me davidcancel.com or drift.com. You can find me. Amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much, Matt. Talk to you later. Thanks, brother. Flip My Funnel is on a mission to build the largest and most engaged community of B2B professionals in the world. Join the movement at flipmyfunnel.com. You've been listening to the Flip My Funnel podcast. To make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple Podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.